You're listening to episode 58 of the Comics Pals. We're a group of comic book journalists and friends who record a podcast together because we don't talk enough about comics in our daily lives. Take your favorite foreign film and your favorite X-Men, and that's your Japanese comics writing name. (laughs) (laughs) That's pretty good. Wait, okay, your favorite foreign film and your Mm -hmm. favorite X-Men. I don't, I can't think of a single foreign film. Wow, privilege. Is that is that privilege? <laughs> it's, it's American privilege for sure. Why? Just because our movies are good? Because <laughs> you only watch American movies? So I'm privileged to have good movies, basically. Uh, yeah. I would say it's ignorance more than privilege. Yeah, that's, yeah, I would agree. I'm fine. You're a piece of shit. That's all I'm trying to say. <laughs> Look, man, I've known that for about 27 years, so I'm way ahead of you on that one. Fuck. <laughs> um, Starting dark. I'm, I'm honestly having trouble thinking of a foreign film right now, too. Uh, in all, go ahead. Hit us. So mine is, uh, 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 and I always mispronounce it, uh, Emile, Emilie. Uh, Amelie. It's Amelie. Um, wow, Mr. Cultured over here. Amelie? <laughs> I'm not French. So? You want to talk I, about I, foreign I, films? I literally prefaced it by saying, I literally prefaced it by saying, I always mispronounce it. Right. <laughs> and oh, I wait, did I'm sorry, twice. Is this, is this the segment of the show where Kel mispronounces Son a name? Son of a bitch. I got it's, one. So, so mine's Amelie Cyclops. <laughs> Uh, so the only, I, I, I guess my favorite foreign film would be The Labyrinth. So, Just, uh. I, it's so, okay. I also had this question. Does Del Toro count as a. I would say, yeah, because yeah. he's Mexican. And like, it and was like, produced he, in Spain, I think. And it's okay. in Spanish. Sweet. So it's like, he definitely does make American movies, but that's a foreign film of his that I think just had crossover appeal. Yeah, sure. Well, well but um, I mean, like, it doesn't have to be Spanish necessarily to be, like, foreign. No, I'm just saying, like, it's not in English. It, he's not an American, and it was financed outside of America. So I definitely would say it's a foreign film. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. Um, but anyway, uh, so I guess my name would be The Labyrinth Nightcrawler, which does nice. not work as, a, as a, a name for a writer, but that does sound like the title to something. That's actually pretty cool, yeah. <laughs> right? <laughs> Marco, what do you uh, Mine is L uh, Shadowcat. Nice. All right. Uh, so <laughs> uh, there's this there's this movie called Downfall. It's uh, it's about Hitler, and uh, it's <laughs> <laughs> my favorite movie about Hitler. <laughs> it's it's my favorite foreign film. Uh, so I'm gonna go with uh, Downfall Jean Grey, or the Downfall of Jean Grey. Oh, that's what I keep again. Not for. a not a great title or not a great name for a person, but a wonderful title. Yeah, <laughs> thank you. Uh, in a, in in for the sake of transparency, I stole that joke from a Twitter user at another L. Uh, so thanks for that opening bit. Another L. We really appreciate it. See, at least Phil comes up with his jokes. Look, his listen. Jokes. Hey, listen. Just like Superman's CGI mustache, Phil's not here right now. So. <laughs> <laughs> the 
that wasn't even a joke. It was a question. You you, you <laughs> like you threw off the whole flow, man. It's not my show. It's not my show. Exactly. Listen, Phil's <laughs> Phil's not here. I'm doing my best to fill in. Phil's not here, man. So I'm glad I didn't pick like the first movie I was thinking because I was thinking Perfect Blue. But I looked at the, the the translation for that, and it's just Americanized Japanese. So I would have had to have said Pafekatu Buru. Perfect. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> you, you said it now, so you might as well have said it then. Uh, so actually, this is a really interesting question, and I would love to know what you listeners uh, would answer for this one. So it's your favorite foreign film and your favorite X-Man. So if you want to answer that, uh, you can write to us in all number of ways. We are on iTunes. While you're there, you can leave us a rating. Make it five stars because we're fresh. Um, you can also hit us up on social media. Uh, we are at the Comics Pals, wherever your social media is sold. You can write to us at thecomicspals at gmail.com, where you can hit us with a random question, a buy or sell, your thoughts on anything we talk about on this or any other episode. And we may or may not read your comments on the air. We will. Uh, and <laughs> last but not least, you can hit us up on YouTube. If you were watching this on YouTube, you can leave us a like. Uh, hit that subscribe button. Drop the comment below and share this video with your friends. We are on the road to 100 subscribers. Right now, we're at 83. We need 17 more to close out the year on a high. So let's do it. Uh, so with all that nonsense out of the way, uh, let's start off with some reader mail. Oh, okay, yeah. cool. <laughs> we don't usually do that at this point in the show. Um, I know. All right, so, uh, we got a letter from our dear friend, Mr. Matt Murphy over from the Longbox podcast who writes in, uh, with a letter titled Lazarus. So he's, uh, this one's for Sean. So he writes, Sean. As Tyler and I reviewed the Batman annual for this week's episode, I realized we haven't seen Lark on anything but Lazarus outside of this issue. I know the ongoing was canceled, but I remember you were a diehard fan of the series. Should I be reading the current miniseries? Also, very drunk right now and impressed with myself at how grammatically correct this email is. Tentacle Gang sends its regards. Matt. Tentacle Gang. Uh, so Repping the Tentacle Gang. Thank you, Matt, for writing in. Uh, I am a huge, huge, huge lover of Lazarus, of tentacles. I think, oh. No. <laughs> uh, I think Lazarus is extremely underrated and underread. Of course, there is going to be a series that uh, that's coming out real soon. Um, that's a Rucka book, right? Yeah, Greg yeah. Rucka and Michael Lark. So, if you haven't read the series, um, I don't think I would read the mini. Um, just because there's a lot of context that goes into it that you would be missing if you haven't jumped onto the series. I, I think a great place to start is just that first arc. If you can read the first arc, then you can jump into the miniseries because it gives you the major context for the, for what Lazarus is about. Um, and I, and I really encourage you to do so because this is a series that needs more eyes on it for sure. So check it out. Um, and yeah, and then let me know what you think for sure. Uh, because Lazarus is worth your time for sure. And uh, you should always write to me when you're drunk. I really like that. <laughs>
And you should always try to bear your soul. So next time, uh, give us more detail about your life. And we'll read it on the air. So, you know, we'll embarrass you. I, listen, Sean, you don't, you don't want that. You yeah, don't I want really, that. I really do. <laughs> I, we might be biting off more than we can chew. Have you, have you ever listened to the Longbox podcast? You don't want that. <laughs> also, uh, I just wanted to clarify, the, the ongoing's not canceled. Um, basically what's happening is they took a break because Michael Lark wants to draw other things, like this annual that you mentioned, and... So they're taking off. The miniseries is replacing the main series while Michael Lark takes his break. Uh, then he's going to catch up and they're going to start the next arc, which is, I believe, arc six. That way they can have no uh, no missing issues. They can be a real monthly. Uh, moving right along, uh, we'll do our... Well, I have a question for you guys. So I guess that means it's time for... The random question of the week. Uh, it's about five forty-five for me. I don't know if that does anything for you. Huh? Excuse me. Uh, sorry, I thought you asked what time it was. What? Oh, it's, just, oh. it's about five forty-five. <laughs> uh, boo! Leave it up. <laughs> Leave it to Phil. Uh, <laughs> so this week, obviously, the Avengers Infinity War trailer dropped, and. The internet is abuzz with memes and all that glorious stuff. So I wanted to ask you guys, what is your favorite Thanos Avengers Infinity War meme so far? I don't think I've seen any, actually. Oh, you really haven't? Oh my no. God. You haven't seen? Yeah, the only one I've seen is that King of the Hill one. Oh, that's my yeah. That's my favorite yeah. one. I shared it the other day. It's it's like the the meme is people taking that screenshot of Thanos with the bald head, yeah, and photoshopping him into somebody else. <laughs> so there's go Google it right now. There's tons yeah, of you you um, yeah. Google it right now, both of you. Uh, so the one that I shared was of of him being turned into Hank Hill, which you can go <laughs> check out. Um, I think I think I only did that on my Facebook page, but you know, if you're a listener and you want to connect with me on Facebook, I'm not that hard to find. Um, you can hear him a yeah, mile away. It's it, it's super hilarious. <laughs> yeah. I, oh, thanks, Kale. Real clever. It's not like my name's loud, Peter. Anything. So while they're looking them up, I'll I'll go as well. Mine is. Oh my god. <laughs> mine is. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> mine is the one with uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin. So the one that's a, a short video. That includes Stone Cold Steam song oh, and uh, I, I entrance video that, right? with yeah with just Thanos in it <laughs> punching Iron Man choke slamming Spider Man. I love it. I've watched it like five times. It's fantastic. So good. Uh, this isn't one of those, but the one I'm looking at right now, uh, it may have it may have been the first one we saw. Uh, it shows him with like the empty Infinity Gauntlet, and he's still in his armor and stuff. And it says, uh, when our hand is too slow, fine, I'll do it myself. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. That's good. Marco, what do you got? I have one that just shows a comparison between 2012 Thanos and then uh, 2014, then 2016, <laughs> and then 2018. And his change from dark purple to pink. Yeah, there's something weird going on with that guy. I don't know if he, I don't know what disease he has, but. Is he bleaching his skin? Right. Oh, man. Is this one of the guys from Power Rangers? I just found one where they made one from the like, Power Rangers, I think. <laughs> oh, All these right. are funny. 
Here's a <laughs> here's a list of possible names that Tony Stark calls Thanos from Twitter user at Brian Lynch. Number one, Grimace. Number two, <laughs> Testicle Face. Number three, Grape Ape. That one's definitely going in there. I guarantee it. Number four, Purple Rain. <laughs> Number five, Vin Diesel. Number six, <laughs> Steppenwolf. <laughs> Number seven, Rick. I told you, I told you. I've said that every week that he looks like a skinny pink Thanos. Number seven, Rick from Storage Wars. <laughs> oh my god, somebody finally did it. Okay, so when I saw this trailer, I went, man, that dude looks like a like Bruce Willis ate a bad grape. <laughs> oh yeah, I've seen that one. Somebody somebody, somebody said uh, the Avengers will die hard. That's awful. Actually, no, it was a really good one I saw, too. Um, it was, like, similar to the Hank Hill one that I shared, but it was him as Joss Whedon, and it just said Whedon's Revenge. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> that's another one that I really enjoy. As far as static image ones go, that's my favorite. Let me let me just get this last one in because it's really good. This one's from uh, Twitter user at Cat the Undying. Thanos was hyped throughout the entire Marvel Cinematic Universe, only to look like your Eastern European uncle who can get you free vodka and beat up your bully's dad. <laughs> <laughs> That's so That's good. specific. That's really good. Well, uh, thank you, Internet, for ruining Thanos's big debut. Uh, now he is no uh, longer. I don't, a I don't know if you can blame the internet for that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I think he looks pretty cool, but we'll talk more about that a little bit later. Uh, for now, we're going to do some pals polls. This is, of course, uh, the portion of the show where we talk about the books that we are most looking forward to that are dropping this upcoming Wednesday. Uh, so if you were listening to this on Thursday, then it came out yesterday. Um, so from Kale, we've got the Amory Wars. Good morning, Apollo. I'm burning Star 4 number 9. Would you like to speak on that, Kale? Man, Coheed and Cambria is just its a really good band. You should uh, buy their comic books and, and fund their comic book careers. Uh, you know, you really want to support independent artists moving into another field. And I just think it's, I think it's so important to go ahead and just, to just do that, you know? Yeah, do you want to tell me which member of Coheed and Cambria is writing this one, Kale? You know, uh, so really what what I want to say about this book is it it's really a team effort. You really want to you got to it's it's really like we're all Coheed and Cambria, you know? No, I don't know. Uh I can't say that I do. <laughs> Rocco's Modern Life number 1. What? Oh yeah, dude. That's pretty Rocco's dope. Modern Life is coming back. And then Go Go Power Rangers number 5. I mean, what else can I say about the Power Rangers that I haven't already said? So this is the book that focuses more on their school lives, right? On like their, yeah, I, from, yeah, it's more like a, a book about their, their teenage drama, which we all know I'm here for. <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> and then from Pete, we've got Paper Girls number 18. Yeah, it's like I, I've I've plugged Paper Girls like five or six times already. So it's just like, I really like Brian K. Vaughn. If you like Stranger Things in the 80s and stuff, Paper Girls is a great read. Uh, and then The Walking Dead 174. Uh, it's just, you know, this little image book. Uh, I'm really a big fan of it. Uh, you know, you probably never heard of the guy writing it, Robert Kirkman, but it's a great time. What's it called? Uh, the Walking Dead. The Walking Undead. No, I'm familiar. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then from Marco, we've got Archie number 26. Archie! Um, 
Archie has been a great series. Uh, it's been heartfelt. It's there's been a lot of interesting developments recently, and I'm really really excited to see where this arc ends. Cool. And fix number ten. Yep. Uh, and the fix is just think of it like a '90s buddy cop movie. Um, the series is really funny. It's written by Nick Spencer. Um, nice. And it's just it's it's really really good. Like the comedy is on point. The art's really great. It's it's a fun it's a fun ride. Really recommend Care- it. Careful reading that. He'll turn you into a Nazi. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, and then for me, Captain America number six ninety six. This Careful is reading the- that. It'll turn you into a Nazi. <laughs> no, because uh, this is the second issue of Mark Wade and Chris Samney's run. Oh, careful uh, reading that. I'll turn you into a lazy writer. Oh. Damn. Fucking throwing shade. Wow. That was harsh, that's, man. That's, that's at Toto Into, T-O-T-O-I-N-T-O-W. <laughs> uh, so I, I really like what they're doing with this so far. It's only the second issue, but I'm excited to see where it goes. Captain America's on his apology tour, more or less. Uh, and um, I think we need we need some good old Cap stories, you know, putting aside the Secret Empire stuff, which I did like. I think getting back to basics is pretty cool. So uh, hopefully the run continues to go smoothly. So now we're going to jump into the news. Uh, And our first bit of news is something really cool. The trailer for Batman Ninja, which is Batman. Batman. It's it's an animated Batman movie. Uh, And and I should say an animated anime Batman movie uh, is going to come out. And the trailer dropped and it's really cool. It's like dope. This is this is something I've wanted forever. Like a crossover with like this kind of in this kind of style. Marco, do you know is this the uh, is this the same uh, people that did the uh, uh, the one that was like it was a short of Batman and Catwoman fighting Bane? Have you seen that? Like like that collection of, of minis. Uh, I'm not sure. I know it. It came out on Cartoon Network uh, a couple of years ago. It was while Young Justice was still on the air. And it was like a collection of different kind of shorts, right? Yeah. Uh, I don't know a, about that a one. A bunch of different ones. Okay. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I you should look at it, but you'll really I like it. No, I've seen it. I've seen it. Oh, okay. Yeah, I, I thought you were, you meant that this was like the same people. Um, uh, that that's I what I'm asking. Oh, okay. No, I don't know. That I don't know. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm pumped for it. The uh, the the writer uh his name is i have it here kazukin uh, nakashima he worked on kill la kill which is huge uh gurren lagan uh huge as well common writer kale like loves that show uh, it's common um, writer forza specifically which is like huge your favorite right yeah yeah um the voice actor for it uh at least in, in japanese it's koichi yamadera he he's he was Togusa in Ghost in the Shell, the movie. He was Spike um, in Cowboy Bebop. He was on Ninja Scroll. And then uh, the animator, which was like my favorite part of this. I'm not usually a fan of like 3D anime stuff, but I don't know. This was done in a more fluid way. A lot of the times it's like kind of like blocky and uh, stiff, um, but it looks like they put a lot of care into it. Uh, and the animator is Takashi uh, Okazaki, and he's... He was uh, the director for Basilisk. Um, he was a writer on Afro Samurai. He worked on the the movies, the video games, the show. Like, 
So it, the 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 creative team here is like stellar. That's really cool. Um, and it's, it does seem like they put a lot of work into this. Uh, the trailer is just you know it's a minute and thirty seconds, so it's not it's not really long or anything, but it gives you a good a good uh, idea of what this is going to be. I mean, it just it looks fantastic. Um, I really like the voice acting. Like, you know, we kind of made fun of it at the beginning, but it's really good uh, from what I can tell. I hope that there's not a dub. I, I would really yeah. prefer to watch it in the intended language. Would just get subtitles, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, it, and it's cool to see Batman in this light, especially because Batman is is the kind of character that a lends himself to almost any culture. Like you could yeah. you could make a version of Batman for pretty much any culture. And then also like this is something Batman has done. You know, Batman has trained in Japan. Batman has has had these experiences as well. So I think it's really cool to sort of plant him in this world. And I mean, again, Batman he translates every into everything. So. I really thought this was cool. Has there ever been a run where he's in Japan or like like some kind of like spinoff? I feel like the, I remember seeing like the Bat manga or something. Uh, yeah. So there's the Bat manga, and then there's also Batman. I forget what it's called, but Batman something night animated night something like that. Uh, I actually own the DVD. And it's a sequence of different stories. Oh yeah, um, that's the, that's what we were talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what it's called. Anime, and then that's what it must be called. Yeah. So, uh, and then that was done by all Japanese creators mm-hmm. that put mm-hmm. that together. So it's really cool. So this lends its, you know, again, he lends himself really well to that culture. I don't know if there's a, a specific, like, in canon Batman story that puts him in Japan, you know, like, like Wolverine. Yeah, right. Uh, but yeah, I mean, there's all sorts of translations that have put him there. Okay. Yeah, so uh, this is really cool. I, I can't wait for it to come out next year. Um, are you guys all going to check this out? 100%. Uh, probably not. You know, You're if a I'm monster. being honest, like, I don't, I don't love anime. Ugh. And um, I don't really like watching subs. Like, yeah. I, like, I'd rather watch dubs. Um, so, you know. Man. We 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 have a meeting specifically so that we can ask Marco to talk more, and Pete just walks <laughs> in and just crushes him. Just the, the I mean, very I first thing. Just, I was I was gonna just not say anything about my intentions to watch it. I was gonna comment on the trailer. Sean asked if we were gonna watch it. Am I gonna watch it? Probably not. Yeah. All right. What do you think about the trailer? Um. I mean, it looks good. It's super stylish. Uh. It's very 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 weird. Um, I, cause like, I got the sense that it was like set in, you know, like feudal Japan or something up until Batman flies by in the bat jet <laughs> and then he has the Batmobile. So I was like, okay. Um, all right. So I don't know. I, I, I thought that that aspect of it was kind of strange, but, um, it looks super stylish and, uh, I like the character designs quite a bit for sure. Uh, and I think, you know, if you're into anime and Batman, it looks like it'll appeal to you. Sean, I really want this to be like your entrance into like the anime world, like with this, with this creative team. Uh, and then like from there, you just like maybe be open to exploring some stuff. So uh, that's probably not going to happen. Um, it'll I, be your entrance into Tentacle Gang. <laughs> no, it's horrifying. Uh 
<laughs> I mean, I, I could sit and watch an anime. It's just a matter of, like, somebody making me, I guess. Like, I really like the Ghost in the Shell movie. The, like, the sitting him movie. down and, like, tying him to the chair. <laughs> forcing his eyeballs open, like... Yeah. But but this this is something that I, I I would I would watch absolutely. So, you know, if it's really good, maybe there is maybe there is an opportunity for me to go and check out some other stuff by these people. We'll see. Um but again, looks cool. Wait, Kayla, are you going to watch it? No. All oh, right. oh, okay. Right. Uh, we finally give Marco an opportunity to talk about his interests and you just got to come and shit all over it. Hey, look. I wasn't going to say anything. <laughs> Also, didn't we establish that Kale's Mr. Culture at the beginning of the show? Not even going to watch the <laughs> Japanese film? Batman. Yeah, foreign film. Yeah. Mr. Culture refuses to watch foreign films like Batman. Yeah. I watch every Japanese tokusatsu film that there is. That ain't Batman. Space Sheriff. Space Sheriff. <laughs> now that Kale is in uh new zealand does that mean every american film that gets brought in is foreign to him yes yep oh there you go see he's cultured (laughs) i watch all kinds of foreign films like thor ragnarok (laughs) (laughs) and justice league (laughs) (laughs) oh boy uh so if dc has their way kale uh you will have many foreign uh harley quinn films coming your way Oh, oh God! No. Because there are apparently as many as five different Harley Quinn movies and shows currently in development. So last week we talked about the animated Harley Quinn show that Warner Brothers wants Margot Robbie to appear in or to lend her voice to for their streaming service. Uh, we also know about Suicide Squad 2, which is in development. Uh, and of course... Harley Quinn is going to be a major player in that movie. Uh, Gotham City Sirens is going to be coming out soon, and that's with her and David Ayer attached. Uh, and, of course, the Jared Leto Joker Harley Quinn uh, spinoff movie. And on top of all of those things that we've already heard about, Margot Robbie told MTV that she's working on a solo Harley Quinn movie. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> so last week I asked you guys, are you experiencing Harley Quinn burnout? I ask you again, are we getting to the point where we are going to kill Harley Quinn's popularity by just oversaturating the market with Harley Quinn? Like, where was this five years ago when there was that like really big Harley Quinn boom in comics? Well, I mean, these are the repercussions of it. Like, oh. this, yeah. this is where it, yeah, this is, where this it is ends. the fallout of that. Yeah. Oh, people like Harley Quinn? Okay. Uh-huh. Yeah, I could probably do with, like, two more movies, then I'll get tired. I mean, for me, this is a lot. Uh, if, if this was if this was Batman, I would say it's a lot, just because... This is a lot for any character. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You're, you, you know, because these movies are going to release, I would say, probably within, like, an eight-year time span. That That might even be long. Uh, th- these movies could release within a five-year time span. I don't know. But to have her appear in a movie every year for the next five years or five movies in eight years, that's crazy. Uh, for comparison, Christian Bale's Batman appeared in three movies over seven years. And that's that's like that's perfect, I think. 
Uh, there was a lot. Sorry, Margot Robbie just must not be doing anything else. Yeah, this is all she's about right now. Yeah, I mean, and I mean that makes sense, right? Like she's young, and I feel like you know this is an opportunity for her to make a huge amount of money uh, working as as Harley Quinn, and like she has serious acting chops. Yeah, you know, and like ha- is like. You know, like, she's proved that she's a serious actress, so I don't think she has the... I don't know that she runs the risk of being typecast, so I'm sure that she's thinking, like, let's do this while the, you know, doing's good. You know, while I'm young and my body's in the best shape it's gonna ever be, do this genre stuff, make a ton of money, and go back to doing serious stuff in a couple of years when the Harley Quinn train rolls down, you know, mm. or winds down. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think there's definitely merit to that. And it's great for her personally, right? But uh, I can't blame her. Yeah, for <laughs> sure. I just wish that maybe they would tone it down. Do we need five different things? Can we get like can, can we get a little bit of a break maybe? I don't know. <laughs> can we get like one good one first? Yeah, can we get a good one? Uh, it's like, <laughs> sell me on five of them when I like one of them. Sure. <laughs> it's just crazy. I mean, Listen, I didn't hate Suicide Squad. That's not an invitation. Like, I, I didn't hate Suicide Squad either, but I, I didn't love it. Yeah. Like, it's certainly not enough for me to want a solo Harley Quinn movie, let alone fucking five. Yep. <laughs> Do you guys think this is a good, like, business direction, knowing that they, like, the reception to Suicide Squad was kind of, like, mixed to positive? Like, is this a smart move? Uh, I think that it is, it's a smart move in the sense that you want to get as much value out of any, any, you know, character that you can, right? Um, yeah. In today's era, that's what you want to do. But if you want to get, if you want to get maximum value and have respect for your product, then what you probably want to do is more akin to what Warner Brothers was allowed to do or allowing their creators to do. With, like, The Dark Knight, you know? Um, those movies made so much money. that Billions of dollars were made over the course of just three movies. Uh, DC will not be able to do that. You know, they're not going to make billions of dollars across three Harley Quinn products. I just can't imagine that. Uh, because they're putting it out too much, and they're not putting as much care into it as they possibly can. Uh, will people burn out on Harley Quinn? Probably not. I don't. I don't think that these five movies will hurt her popularity and i should say it's four movies and one uh one animated series not five movies but i think i think that people just want this right now and a lot of people loved her in 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 suicide squad so why would those people not want more yeah i think she was one of the best parts of suicide squad so i mean like there's like the gotham city sirens movie like makes sense suicide squad 2 makes sense I, I don't know. Unfortunately, I think it all makes sense. Like, I don't think the solo film makes sense. Hmm. Yeah, that's for sure. Um, I don't know, Sean. I, I think it might hurt her brand because I, you know, I will see, right? Because the character obviously has an immense amount of popularity. And I think the way that she's being utilized in, um, what is it? It's DC Superhero Girls, right? I think is the name of it. Um, is exposing her to a whole new generation that has a relationship with her. The way Harley Quinn is being exposed to a new generation yeah. in DC yes. Superhero Girls, yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and I think 
that could really help protect the longevity of the character and and make this this series of things successful. But I don't know. I look at the way that Justice League's performing, and I wonder if DC has burned their goodwill here. You know, the DCFU. Um, I, I wonder if they're going to see the same kinds of returns on these movies if they're not up to snuff. Like, if they give us five Harley Quinn projects that are all as good as Wonder Woman, then I think they'll do fine. But if, to your point, that they're not putting the care into them that they could or should be, I don't know that five are going to succeed. One, two, maybe. I think if we get a, a, you know, Sirens movie that sucks and another, whatever the next one is in the line that sucks, I don't know that people are going to show up for a third one. Well, yeah, and the thing is, like, uh, you know, Margot Robbie is good as Harley Quinn. Like, Mar- Margot Robbie's a good actress. You know, I think the ensemble movies kind of give her, give us something else to look at and focus on, you know, with the Sirens and Suicide Squad 2. It's, it's the focus of a Harley Quinn movie that I think... I mean, it could work. It could work in the same way Deadpool does. I mean, that's what they're trying to do. You know, for what I understand, that's what they're doing with her in the comics. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, it, it could work. I don't think... Uh, uh, what's uh, what's that thing Phil always says? Uh, right about this point? Uh, ugh, ugh. <laughs> I wish we could have left that uh, off the show this week, but... <laughs> Marco, cut that out. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, so we'll, we'll move on from that. Uh, it should be interesting to see how that develops over the next few years, though. Um, and we'll move on to the reveal of Robin for the new Titans television show, uh, for the Warner Brothers streaming service. Uh, we've got our first look at Brenton Thwaites in costume for Robin. And I gotta say, this looks pretty good, guys. What do you think? Yeah, this is the best representation of robin i think we've like like live action representation of robin that i think we've seen ever maybe yeah, outside yeah. of burt ward <laughs> just in t- in terms of like era, you know right yeah yeah i mean I, don't, I, I think it looks great you know i don't really have too much more to say beyond that but it gets it gets everything right i feel about uh it's only it's only uh a chest high shot he may That's not be true. wearing pants <laughs> I mean that's that's true. How how funny would it be if it was like the like the budget just like couldn't afford the bottom of the costume, so like whenever he was in costume, they only show him from the waist up. <laughs> we'll, we'll Photoshop it. Don't worry about it. It's fine. <laughs> CGI pants. <laughs> the crotch team. <laughs> you know, we had to cover up all of his leg hairs individually with CGI. <laughs> <laughs> he had a thing in his contract, uh yeah. This actually kind of excited me for the Titans television show because before I didn't care. Now I'm like, oh, all right. Well, if they're gonna if they're gonna put this level of effort into it, I might have to show up. Man, I'll I'll give Teen Titans anything any time of day. Like, I'll at least give it a try. Cool. Well, uh, I don't think we have too long to wait because this is going to be dropping in 2018. So I imagine we'll see some more picks of the characters probably in the weeks to come as well. I can't wait to see what what they do for like Starfire or yeah. you know, Beast like Boy. characters that yeah. are a little bit more... Yeah, Beast Boy. Some of the characters whose powers are a little more intensive. I'd like to get a sense of like what the effects are going to look like. Right. 
Definitely. I mean, I can't imagine that it'll look uh, any that it'll look much different from like the CW's Flash or um, uh, like Legends of Tomorrow. Yeah, probably. And I feel like Legends of Tomorrow is a totally good bar. Uh, yeah, I 100% agree. I, I think, I mean, for TV, I think it serves its purpose and it does it really well. So speaking of television, uh, there is a Watchmen television show in production right now. Last week, of course, we talked about Doomsday Clock and we talked about Alan Moore's hatred of all Watchmen products. And right. this is something he's going to really hate. Uh, <laughs> Damon Lindelof wants to make this show and agreed to make this show uh, because we need dangerous shows. Ugh. So the following is a quote from Mr. Damon Lindelof, the creator of Lost. Watchmen, it was dangerous. And you can't be dangerous for dangerous' sake. But the reason that I'm doing this is these are dangerous times and we need dangerous shows. What we think about superheroes is wrong. I love the Marvel movies and we saw Justice League this morning (laughs) and I'm all for Wonder Woman and Batman and I grew up on these characters, but we should not trust people who put on masks and say they are looking out for us. If you hide your face, you are up to no good. Lindelof, that line of thinking is dangerous. What the fuck? Like... What the fuck? Hey, guys. What the fuck? I'm like, I'm like speechless. Like, uh, like, hey, uh, what the fuck? I. uh, So my, my, my level of uh, confidence in this project has been shaken. (laughs) Let's leave it at that. I, I, I mean, I went into this uh, wholly uninterested i i you know not to not to say that watchmen is too overpraised but i think i I, i'll say it's overhyped and i think uh i just it's one of those things that we just we just don't need right now especially with this attitude we need danger we need dangerous tv shows do you do better on a do better, Damon Lindelof. Okay, I'm done. I'm on. I'm on the complete opposite spectrum as you guys. Uh, I don't see any problem with his comments about Watchmen. Uh, I think he's right. Watchmen is and was dangerous in the sense that uh, it challenges everything that you know about superheroes. And what he's taught, he's not saying it's da- he's not saying it's dangerous. In the sense that it's edgy, he's saying it's dangerous in the sense that it challenges you. Uh, and I think that, you know, this is one of those instances where maybe he could have chosen his words better, but I, I get what he means. And uh, we do need a show that's going to challenge the status quo. If that's what he's going for with Watchmen, I think that's the right thing to do. Absolutely. Because that's what Watchmen is. Uh, and, it, and that's the purpose that it served. I don't like what he said about... Um, about superheroes necessarily. I mean, in real life logic, you're probably right. Uh, I mean, in, in real life logic, you are right. We don't, there are no superheroes running around hiding their faces. It's not a real thing. But, you know, he, he's, he's being a little too serious, maybe with that comment. 
And so, you know, I, I think I think maybe we need to be a little more measured in how we're reading what he said. I'm I think what he said is perfectly okay. And uh I'm actually really excited for his take and I think he gets Watchmen right now, based on what he said here. So I, I agree with your sentiment uh there that I think um he he's right that like Watchmen Alright, I'm sorry. I'm gonna, I'm gonna rewind here for a second. To respond to what Kale said, right, about us not needing this, I think we kind of do. I think you're right that, like, there is – this probably is the time for Watchmen to be adapted again because we do need a shakeup in superhero media. Um, And I I do think that we – not that there's, like, a problem that we're like, oh, we're we're all wrong about superheroes and we need Watchmen to show us the way, but more that, like, there is a saturation of superhero content right now. And I think something that is different – um, that says something different using superheroes uh, will be a breath of fresh air for people who consume superhero media but don't read comic books and don't know that there's a world beyond upbeat Marvel stuff or grim and gritty, you know, DCFU's early stuff. Uh, so I, I will say that I, I agree with you, Sean, that I, I do think that this is a good time for Watchmen. My concern is, uh, to a point that you made, it's the way he says it. I hope that you're right, that he chose his words poorly and he understands the property and, you know, um, and that, because I don't think he's wrong that that is a good tone to approach Watchmen with. Um, I don't know if I necessarily want to make an, uh, a Spider-Man show or anything with that uh, mentality, but when it comes to this, I think that's fine. It's, it's more the way he expressed himself. It's just like, I don't, I don't know that just <sighs> dangerous is like not the word I would use to describe Watchmen, and, I guess. And I, I agree, Pete, but I, and maybe this is just me, I think something like this, I don't think we'd be giving, like, I'm not giving the viewers enough credit, I think, to the point where they're going to get Watchmen like like that. Like, to, to someone who doesn't know it's just going to be another superhero story that's like like the it, like the Watchmen's a Watchmen's a, a comic book that you read after you've been reading comics for a bit, right? It's not like a it's not like an intro book necessarily, even though sometimes it's taken like that. Yeah, like, I don't know. There's like levels to it that you have to sort of understand coming from just regular superhero stuff. That like I I get we have enough of it, but. I don't think that I think to the norm to the regular viewer it's just going to be another superhero story. I don't think that that's something that's valuable right now. See, I, I don't know that I agree with that. Just because I I think that Watchmen is a fine intro book if you're familiar with superheroes. It's like a cultural concept. But you you just proved Marco's point. Like you can't you can't just pick up Watchmen without some familiarity of superheroes. Yeah, but who doesn't have some familiarity with superheroes in 2017? They've been the driving force of Hollywood for almost a decade. You know, like, I, I don't believe that the average, you know, viewer who's going to tune into HBO's Watchmen hasn't seen some of the Marvel movies, that they haven't seen some of the Batman movies. Or like, Watchmen. That's, like, that was well, yeah, just, that was only 2009. Watchmen. Like, yes, that's my point is that I, everybody has a relationship to superheroes in 2017. Superheroes are not a comic book thing anymore. Um, obviously that's their roots. That's where they thrive. But there are so many people that have a relationship to 
superheroes that have never picked up a comic book. Right. And I, I guess that makes sense. And uh, I, I just, I don't know. I, I just don't feel like, like, even though people have that familiarity, I don't think that message, like the, the Watchmen message is going to come across too well. Um, at least that's like my perspective on it. Like I, I totally agree. And I get where, where you're coming from, Pete. Um, but I, I'm not giving the viewers that much credit. Well, here's here's my take. Uh, first of all, this is airing on HBO, right? So, like, HBO, f- famous for Game of Thrones and The Sopranos, right? Uh, Damon Lindelof, creator of Lost and The Leftovers, two of the more heady shows that have ever been on television. The people who like Damon Lindelof stuff are the same kinds of people who are into this, who are into having to think deeply about concepts and things like that. And again, it's HBO. So there's that. Is now, this is my bigger question, is now the time for Watchmen for superhero movies, not Watchmen for comics that already happened 30 years ago. So we're talking about something totally different. Now, Damon Lindelof's responsibility is to do what Watchmen did in comics for superhero media in 2017. That's a completely different job. And I think... Go ahead. I I just... Uh, you know, his, part of his quote there is, you know, you, you can't trust people at mass. They're up to no good. Well, to get political here for a second, literally last night, the... GOP passed a tax bill that guts middle class taxes. At this point, I'm more afraid of people who do show their faces. Yeah, I mean, you you could extrapolate a lot from the statement and make and you know, but but that's not the core of what he was trying to say. The core of what he was trying to say is that Man, in real life, I, I don't know. He still said it. I feel like that's the core of what he's trying to say. But the, but but again, this is why it's so it's so difficult to pick apart any little thing that someone says he's asked something he gives them a sound bite they print it and then we tear it apart you know like you could do that but that's not fair to him you know and i don't know man he should have fucking said it he's a tv executive and a director he knew exactly what he was saying i i I don't know i think you're drawing a lot out of what he said right now. yeah like you're reading into what he's saying though like that's not his fault he fucking said it yeah, but you're free to take whatever meaning you take from it. Like, that doesn't mean that your interpretation of what he said is right. Like, it doesn't mean it's wrong either. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Like, <laughs> I mean, there are two sides to that coin. Sure. It, we'll see. We'll see. Uh, but that being said, I think that there's room for this. And even though. David Lindelof doesn't have a perfect track record. Uh, he's done some really good stuff. Uh, for that reason, I'm willing to give him the benefit of the doubt. Yeah, I think um, my big takeaway is I think to answer your question before, Sean, I do think that this is the time for Watchmen in broader superhero media. I do think that we've seen a lot of different shades of superhero adaptions, and I think um, in the same way that Watchmen was a disruptive force in comics, if this show is good, uh, it could be a, a appropriately disruptive force in superhero media, um, which is a thing I think it needs. You know, I think we've praised Fox uh, in recent weeks for looking to expand and do 
different things with the IP, you know, doing a horror movie with New Mutants, um, doing Logan, which is like heavily inspired by Westerns, right? I think superhero media needs to evolve and change if it wants to stay relevant and not uh, go the way of the Western, you know, where there's this era of it where it's incredibly dominant and then it gets oversaturated and people are fucking sick of it. And I think we are getting to that point. And I think unless we do have films or properties or whatever that attempt to do something fresh with these characters, people are going to get sick of it. Um, and I don't think they have to, because I think the difference between, you know, again, just to use that same analogy, right? The difference between Westerns and superheroes is that superheroes can be and do anything. And we're only limited by what we allow them to do and what we allow creators to do with them. Sure. And I think that the very fact that this is a television show and not a movie speaks a lot to what they're doing uh, and, and what this could be. Because as a television show, it has the capacity to get across so much more than the films do. And I'm really excited to see what message it is that David Lindelof has to convey here with this show. Yeah, it's specifically being on HBO is huge, too, I think, because that means that it's going to have the full creative might of HBO and no limitations. You know, their their sole goal is to make a premium product. So hopefully we'll get that premium product. Indeed. What if this is the thing that Alan Moore likes? <laughs> Dude, I would love that. Like, I, I said it before on the, the Doomsday Clock you know, preview a few weeks ago, I was like, how, how funny would it be if he just like, he's really into it. He's like, you know what? It's good. <laughs> <laughs> I think, you know, the poor guy just needs a win, you know? <laughs> so the biggest news of the week, uh, pretty much is that we got the trailer for Avengers infinity war. Uh, there's so much to talk about with this trailer. I just want to get your initial reactions to it, and then we'll dive into all the other like meaty stuff that there is to say. What you guys think of the trailer? Um, I thought it was good. Uh, I I think it struck a really good balance for me because the problem with I have with most modern trailers is that they give away the whole damn movie, and it gave away probably a little bit more than I would have liked. There was a few reveals that I I would have rather seen in the movie. Like, I didn't need to see uh, Peter in the, you know, the Iron Spider outfit. You know, it's like, okay, like, we knew that was going to happen. They teased it in spite, like, it would have been nice to have seen that moment in the movie, you know? Whereas, like, the moment where they show him with the hair standing on it and everything, like, that served the trailer. So, that's great. So, there was a few moments like that that I think they kind of overplayed their hand a little bit. But in terms of just overall presentation, it's a strong trailer, and I think the movie looks good. Um, you know, I, I think the concerns that we've voiced here about it being bloated because of how much there is and how much is going on, um, you know, is still obviously a possibility. But looking at it, it looks and feels like a cohesive thing. You know, it feels like a natural culmination of all these stories that we've watched building for a long time. And... uh I have faith that I think the Russos are going to deliver. Yeah. Um, I echo a lot of Pete's sentiments. Um, and I guess my only other note was uh, I appreciate that, like at least from what I, it looked like in the trailer, um, doesn't look like it has that like 
bland blue gray tone that Marvel movies have. Um, this one looked a little warmer. There's some there's some nicer like oranges and yellows. So hopefully like the 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 actual visual style changes up a little bit, which I'm I'm pretty sure it is, especially from what we've experienced with like recent movies and stuff like that. So yeah, I was gonna say, don't you feel like that's kind of been the trajectory for like their last few movies, even? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I'm 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 hoping that it's gonna it's not gonna be like a civil war or like a, a Captain America to you that kind of stuff. Uh, I think it's this is this is, look, this is looking pretty cool. Kale, I I must be inhabited by the the spirit of Phil or something. Um, it just didn't do anything for me. Um, what? Yeah. Um, I think. Yeah, Phil even liked this one. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It just didn't. It just didn't. Um, as to like what what they revealed in the trailer, like. I, one of the big questions of uh, the Marvel Universe after Civil War was, you know, where where does Steve Rogers go? And they just showed him in the trailer. No, dude, we already knew that he was in Wakanda. We knew he was in that Wakanda, was but my assumption was that he would move on and go do other stuff. And maybe that's my fault for reading into that. But, like, my, my point is, like, there was an unanswered question in where is Steve Rogers? What's Steve Rogers up to? And it just kind of shows him. I don't think that this trailer answers that question. I think, I think, I, yeah, I, I, but it, like, it doesn't answer the question, but I just, for me, the reveal takes the mystery out of it. Yeah, well, he's here. Who cares? What was he going to not be here? You know, like, I don't like, I, well, yeah, of yeah, course he's going to get a knock oh, cap in the trailer. I mean, yeah. Quit, quit giving me like, quit giving me a pepperoni pizza for an appetizer when you're going to give me a full steak dinner, you know, like give me a, a small, tasteful calamari plate and then give me the full meal, you know, something to accentuate the taste, make me want it. Oh shit! I gotta yeah, find what, out where's Captain America. Oh god! Yeah, but so what? You think that they they can't have an entire trailer where they don't show one of the main characters in the movie though? Like that's crazy. What are you talking about? This is going back to like Pete's point where it's like like where the the tingly stuff, uh, the hair. Star, like, Star Wars it. just did a whole. They did a whole movie without Luke Skywalker. That's not the same thing. Luke Skywalker is not in the movie. Captain America is in this movie. That's those are not analogous points. <laughs> like. Cap but we, for all like, intents and purposes, Captain America is the main character of the Avengers. Luke Skywalker was not the main character of The Force Awakens. He was he was in the movie for like 10 he seconds. was a he was a presence though. Yeah, but that's that's not the same thing. But it could be. It's not the same thing because it, it fucking isn't. They didn't yeah, make but it that's that way. The movie. That's not yeah, the like, movie. Captain America's I, look, in I'm this movie. Saying, it's not the same thing as Civil War or I'm not just, Civil War as whatever go ahead i like i'm just saying like that part i would have preferred that stay out of the trailer for at least this round i'm not saying it had to stay out the whole time like we didn't know spider-man was going to be in civil war until three months before the movie came out yeah but we've known that captain america's in this movie if you don't know that like, Captain America, like, in this yeah movie, like, like hey listen no fucking shit 
But you're, so you're, I just don't know what your fucking point is, man. Like it's not like, put, like you're you're bringing up analogies that are not the same. Like put, we didn't know Spider Man was in the movie it. because yeah, we didn't know that. We know Captain America is the main fucking character of the Avengers movies, uh, except maybe Iron Man. You're not you're not listening to what I'm saying. Like he was. MIA, he was gone. We knew he was in Wakanda, but we didn't know what he was doing. The trailer still doesn't answer that. But what I'm saying is, he could be fucking anywhere. And now the trailer has told us, oh yeah, he's here. Because what, what this could and should be is, in my opinion, apparently you guys don't share it, that's fine. Uh, what this could and should be is, will Captain America show up to help Tony Stark? I don't know. <laughs> I see. Like I, so I don't think that's an unreasonable question. That should be the question that they ask. I, okay, I think I see what you're saying. That you want the narrative of the trailer to be playing up the questions that we've been left with, not to show clips from the movie. But see, I think it does though, is the thing. Like Cap so okay, it shows Cap and Wakanda. But it doesn't say that he never left. It says he's there now. Bucky's there too. Maybe he went to go resurrect Bucky so that Bucky could help. Maybe he wanted to partner up with his, with his partner to save Wakanda because he was just there and Bucky is there vulnerable because he's, he's on ice. Um, we don't know that he's working with, with Iron Man. Like we, I don't, if, unless I'm misremembering, they're not working together in this trailer. We haven't seen no, that they reunion. Don't, they don't show any of the Avengers together except for the ones who we already know still have connections. In, no, Iron Man's in the last shot that where they're all running toward the camera. Isn't that two different shots, though? No. That's War Machine. It's War Machine. Is it no, War Machine? Yeah, it's War Machine. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's yeah. War Machine. Yeah, because they show Tony with I, another group. I just watched it right now. It's definitely War Machine. Okay. Even... Well, okay, that I mean that raises another question: Who's War Machine? But it's it's, it's James Rhodes. Yeah, it's Rhodey. He he got his stuff back. Remember at the end of um, Civil War when he was he was trying to walk. to walk. Yeah, yeah. Well, now he's he's good. He he can't walk the same, but he can use the suit. Tony's modified it. I okay. I just this didn't do anything for me. Fair. I, hey, that's okay. That's that's, that's fine. perfectly fine. Uh. So for me, this trailer brought a tear to my eye. I thought it was absolutely <laughs> phenomenal. The way that they, um, the way that they utilized that Nick Fury speech and had all the characters sort of giving it, that was huge for me. Uh, this is something that they've been building towards for 10 years, pretty much. And to see that sort of on the road to culmination was just, you know, I I just felt a lot about this. I thought that there were a lot of really cool shots. I feel similar to Pete on some level about them showing uh, Spider-Man in the new costume, but I think because of the fact that this is going to be such a long movie, uh, showing that was just like a like a cool kick-ass moment to give to the trailer. Um, so I so I I forgive it in that re- regard. Um, Maybe it- yeah, that's a great point. I, like, there's going to be so many moments in this movie that spoiling one of them is not the worst thing. For me, the the big things are like the team ups that we're going to get to see, all the cool team ups, and they very briefly tease that. Like they show uh, uh, Thor and the Guardians, which is going to be awesome, but we don't see much more than that. 
You know, uh, just them together is, is all you get. Uh, the big takeaway from this was that they kept the storyline is super simple, right? And they focused on that. Thanos is on Earth. Thanos is here. He's getting the gems. That's what they focused on. And I'm so glad that they did because we all knew that that was going to happen. So there were no spoilers to be had because the main crux of the story is something that this movie is. And we knew that. Uh, and I like that he seems to be sort of the central figure here. I've read interviews with the Russos where they talk about the fact that they want Thanos to be sort of the main character. Uh, and that's a great they way. They to- want him to be like Darth Vader. And I was like, mm. that's a, that's a <laughs> great way to play it because Thanos can be that. Uh, and so I'm really looking forward to this and seeing him in action. Come on, man. Like, that's so crazy. You know, he punches Iron Man. He chokeslams Spider-Man. Like, this is everything that we've been waiting for. Do you, do you know what was the other uh, reveal that they, they gave that I was actually really upset by, though? Um, was when they showed Loki had the Tesseract. Oh. I was like, you know, like, oh. Because that, that would have been cool to have had that. You know, I figured he was going to have done something shady, right? Like in the aftermath of, of Thor, I think we all thought that there was going to be some, again, heel turn moment for him. But like, I feel like he's going to probably end up being a good guy though, right? Like in fighting against Thanos because he had that deal with him or whatever. Or do you think he's going to be in leagues with him? See that again, the trailer doesn't answer that question. I think that's the beauty of this trailer. It forces you to ask questions, but like the Star Wars trailers that they've been doing since Force Awakens, it doesn't tell you anything. It shows you very, uh, it shows you clips that make you think something, but could take you totally different ways. And and so I, I just, I just love what they did with this. Um, but in, in many ways, this was Avengers week because we got this trailer, but we also got a huge article from Vanity Fair all about the Marvel Universe and all about uh, what they have, you know, created here and sort of talking about the end of the road. Um, it's a huge, huge article that I encourage you to read in full. We'll have a link to it in the description. Um, but there were some cool things that did come from this, including... Uh, the fact that Avengers 4 will allegedly usher in a new era for the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Kevin Feige had some things to say about that. There will be two distinct periods, everything before Avengers 4 and everything after. I know it will not be in ways people are expecting. So there's that. Uh, and then a few other actors had some things to say as well. Scarlett Johansson said, I feel a lot of joy for the next generation. It's a bittersweet feeling, but a positive one. So it very much feels like the end is nigh for at least the original Avengers team. Do you guys think that they're on the way out? Yeah, I mean, it seems that way, right? Like, based on everything that they're saying, um, you know, I, I I believe it says in the article that the contracts are up for the original five. Mm. You know, yes. Um, I have a feeling that Thor is going to stick around because they kind of I feel like gave him kind of a reinvention point with Ragnarok. So I feel like there's it makes more sense for me for his story to keep going, whereas I can see a natural kind of sunset for the rest of those characters, whether it's some of them die, they retire, you know, whatever it is. Um, I feel like that that's probably what's going to happen. Yeah, I'm of the mind that uh, Chris Hemsworth definitely you could bring back. 
I think with Taika being interested in directing a, a potential Thor 4, uh, that would be a huge boon for Chris Hemsworth to want to do it again. Uh, I think Scarlett Johansson would stick around if they give her a Black Widow movie, which they're more inclined to do now than they were, you know, a few years ago. So I could see her hanging out. I think um, Chris Evans is done. I think Robert Downey Jr. will stay to perform a role similar to Nick Fury's. That's what I'm thinking, too. Um, And then I think uh, Jeremy Renner as Hawkeye is done after this. I think he probably dies. Um, and I think that they'll likely use the next generation of, or the, the generation of heroes that we got during phase two and three to kind of be the centerpiece characters and then usher in like a young Avengers type squad led by Spider-Man, led by, you know, those characters. Totally. Yeah. I'm with you a hundred percent on that. I, I definitely think Tony Stark becoming the, like, director of S.H.I.E.L.D. or something like that seems like a totally natural conclusion. Um, and not something that we haven't seen before in the fa- past. I don't think Hawkeye's going to die. I think Hawkeye's going to retire and go home to his family. And I think Cap's going to die. And we'll see Bucky pick up the S.H.I.E.L.D. Yeah, yeah, something along those lines I could definitely see. And uh, I would think Scarlett Johansson would stick around, but the way she talks in that interview... Makes me think she might be done. Um, granted, that could change. The the last movie hasn't been shot, right? So it's it's currently know. being shot. Yeah, yeah. So, but I know, like they've said, this is the last time we're all going to be together like this. So I, you know, obviously some of these people are going to be gone forever. But I don't know. I, I feel like Hemsworth. It makes the most sense too, just because he's really the only one that doesn't have a career outside of this. <laughs> you know, and I, I don't say that to be mean, but it's just like. Every other thing he's been in has been kind of a flop, and everybody else has something else. Suppose, yeah. Um, Kale, I think you wanted to jump in there? I was just going to say, I think uh, if anybody of the people I could see sticking around, I think uh, you know it would be Scarlet and um, Jeremy Renner. Uh, Mark Ruffalo's, he's still strong. He doesn't. Yeah. He loves it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, and he's also only been in like two movies. Yeah. You know? Yeah. He's, <laughs> he's all about it. Uh, I, yeah. I think um, of, of the people of the like, you know, other than Mark Ruffalo, of the people who were in the original Avengers, I think those those are the two that still probably have the most potential to stick around because they haven't gotten to do much. I mean, Scarlett, you know, Scarlett Johansson has been in most of the movies but she still like she's still been like a secondary character so would you like to see her if she does stick around take a more prominent role oh yeah 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 i would love to see a black widow movie yeah so aside from a aside from a solo movie but though do you think that she should have a bigger role in the the marvel cinematic universe in general like sort of how cap is like a central figure, Iron Man, central figure. Do you think she should be like that? I don't. I don't know if her character carries that sort of weight, or that it should. Yeah, I feel like she's as much of that character as she can be right now, without being a public figure in a way a spy shouldn't be. Yeah, yeah. I think. I think what would benefit the Black Widow character would would be her own story. Marco, did you have thoughts on all this? Um, I agree that I think. Cap's probably going to die, um, and that 
they're probably going to keep um, Hemsworth and Ruffalo. Um, I hadn't actually thought about that um, that Black Widow solo movie. Um, I had forgotten like that's like maybe coming down the pipe. So I think yeah, I think Black Widow would stay. Other than that, I mean, I'm just going to sort of see what happens. Yeah, you know? for sure. Uh, well, we have no clue what's going to happen, but Kevin Feige sure does. Uh, during the Vanity Fair piece, he talked about how Marvel, quote unquote, is 22 movies in, and we've got another 20 movies on the docket that are completely different from anything that's come before intentionally. Uh, so that's a lot of movies. <laughs> um and they, they make mention of the fact that uh, Marvel has the rights to 7,000 characters, um, but they want to provide us with new takes and new looks and new feels uh, going forward with the characters that they do have. Uh, so Disney president uh, Bob Iger had this to say, we're looking for worlds that are completely separate geographically or in time from the worlds that we've already visited. Avengers 4 is set to be the major turning point here. Uh, with Feige stating that the film will bring things you've never seen in superhero films a finale. So, that's really interesting. 7,000 characters, 20 movies on the docket. Uh, you know, for all of those people who think that <laughs> that this is going to die or that there's going to be some kind of reboot, I would say uh, 20 movies to you, sir or madam. Uh I'm very excited for the future. Yeah, yeah. I think it's interesting just because the way they're talking about it, has me excited just because, like, what does that mean? What does that look like? You know? Um, what does a soft reboot for this universe look like where there's a new status quo and new major players? Um, it's going to be interesting to see. You know? And, like, how does the legacy of the 22 movies that came before them matter? You know? Uh, like, they say that there's going to be two distinct periods, right? Everything before Avengers 4 and everything after. Okay, but why? What does that mean? You know, or is it because? Because I, I have the theory that we're going to see an increased attention on Marvel Cosmic after Avengers Four. You know, that we're going to spend more time off of Earth. That's confirmed. And yeah, and that that is confirmed to a degree. But like, there are still some movies that like, or some characters where that doesn't totally make sense. Where you think like, there's probably still going to be some stuff happening on Earth. But I, I wonder if we're not going to have, like, Secret Wars or something like that, where we just get all these characters and take them geographically, like you said, to a totally another different alien place and put them in, you know, something more akin to Thor Ragnarok, where it's familiar characters, unfamiliar, you know, locales. Yeah, sure. Uh, I think um, I think we're, we're bound to get a villain from the cosmos who forces the Avengers off Earth. Um, yeah, and that's that's gonna be really interesting. I don't know how much of that we're gonna see in Avengers three and four. Uh, I presume that at some point or another the Avengers will leave Earth, but if Thanos is is here in you know Avengers three, why leave? You know, unless he leaves and they gotta chase him. But why would he leave? Yeah, that was my thought. Is that he he um like similar to the the storylines that these that this is pulling from that he'll assemble the gauntlet kill half the life forms in the universe and then leave earth and then the remaining avengers will have to go you know chase him down yeah and like yeah my big theory is still that 
you know, they'll use the reality gym or whatever, and Captain America will be a different actor. <laughs> yeah, I was actually, no, seriously, like, I was about to say, now that we're kind of piecing this together, that is a totally, that would make sense, right? If Avengers 4 sets them up with all the Avengers have to go to space to chase Thanos to bring back half of the universe, that could be another 20 movies of that arc. And then the end of that is, oh, hey, we're back on Earth and Captain America is alive again and it's somebody else. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I think I think a resurrection certainly makes sense down the road. I was just picturing, <laughs> I was picturing Cap dying in in Avengers three, and then in Avengers four he comes back and it's a different actor. And that's just <laughs> I mean, I just yeah, like long term, I don't know that some you know something akin to Bucky being Captain America for the rest of the Marvel Cinematic Universe will stick, you know, so they're going to have to do, I don't think so they're going to have to do something else. Sure. I think a resurrection is appropriate. Yeah. And I don't think they're going to leave these characters on the table. Mm -hmm. You know, I think like they've spent so much time building up Captain America and Iron Man to be as relevant as characters like, or, you know, in the same league as characters like Superman and Batman and Spider-Man that like, you know, the characters that have come in the second phase are great, but they don't have that cachet. You know, like, Doctor Strange isn't... Like, yeah, they they want him to be the new Iron Man, right? That's what everyone says, but, like, he's not Iron Man. So I don't think that they're going to retire Iron Man and that we're going to have 20 movies and we're never going to see Iron Man again. Like, nah. They'll find a way to reinvent the wheel. Sure. Yeah. And then, of course, uh, talks are back on, allegedly, between Disney and Fox... So if that's the case, you know, we've gotten reports all week um, because their stocks actually jumped up uh, when all of that information kind of came out a few weeks ago. Now we're learning that talks are back on. So if that's the case, phase four could include theoretically the X-Men. Well, more importantly, the Fantastic Four. I agree. Yeah, I agree with that. I, I'm, I'm more interested personally speaking i know that's not popular but i'm more interested in the fantastic four being a part of the mcu than the x-men i actually agree with that specifically because of their extended universe like i i like the fantastic four fine i could do without them in terms of them being a presence in the mcu but uh i I mean like that's just wrong doom doom and galactus and stuff like that are all things that i think are like, you're so limited with what you're able to do when you don't have some of their villains, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Espe- yeah, and especially cosmically. Right, right. Especially if we want to move to do more cosmic stuff. It's like, you know, come on. So much of that is established in the Fantastic Four. Yeah. And they would be a perfect vehicle for that, too. I mean, Guardians is good, sure. but, like, the Fantastic Four would be perfect. Yeah, yeah. And I, I have the feeling that we're going to see what Guardians is and does change a little bit. Yeah. In that post four, the way that James Gunn talks about Guardians three, so I, we'll see. Yeah. Right? Yeah. There, there's a lot. There's a lot of speculation going on here, but it's all certainly very interesting. And uh, the fact that we have 22 movies and that I'm actually interested in what's going to happen in the next 20 is a testament to how how well the machine works. Which uh, <laughs> which two aren't you excited for? There's 20 new ones, didn't they say, right? Right, like but you said, you said, you said, you uh, said, you said there were 22 and you said you were excited for 20 of them. So which two aren't you excited for? Well, there's already 22, I mean, and I liked those. There's 20 more and I'm interested where they go. 
So yeah. which two aren't you Thor excited one, about? It's Thor 1 and 2, Kale, okay? <laughs> Is that total? Are those included? I thought they were saying there are 20 more, including... There's 20... Ad- you guys are missing each additional. other. Additional. So, so... I know. And I'm trying... <laughs> That's what we should just call. I'm trying to connect. I'm trying to connect the train tracks for him, but it's just not happening. I don't. I think you're missing what I'm saying. I don't think it's me. <laughs> you guys are in a feud today. That's all. We're just gonna start it's calling he's this pretending the, to be Phil. We're just gonna start calling this the over the head pals because we're just not not having Apparently it. Apparently not. Uh, Marvel. Let's talk comics real fast. Um, Sorry, what's that? Right. Uh, Marvel has announced. World War Hulk 2. Apparently, it is time for rehashes. Uh, we got Civil War 2, and now we're getting World War Hulk 2. So when uh, Old Man Logan 2. So when this was <laughs> when this was first put into the uh, into our group chat, uh, I looked at it and I turned to Jess and I went, "Huh? They're doing a World War Hulk 2. That's weird, right? There's not a World War Hulk one movie." <laughs> and she went she went yeah <laughs> and I went oh <laughs> oh boy uh, <laughs> so this is this announcement doesn't really come as a surprise to anybody who is actively reading the books because um, Amadeus Cho who is currently the Hulk um, is engaged in Planet Hulk 2 uh, which is a storyline that's been ongoing, of course, written by Greg Pak, and will be returning to Earth really soon. Uh, so he did encounter Bruce Banner, uh, Bruce Banner's Hulk in Generations, and since then he's been struggling with <clears throat> what it is to be the Hulk, and of course was very upset after the Hulk was killed by Hawkeye in Civil War II. Sorry for the spoilers. Um, and so, of course, Marvel, uh, ever proving that they do not know how to leave well enough alone, is reviving a property that was released 10 years ago and wasn't t- terribly good in the first place. So hopefully they have better luck next time. Are you guys excited for this? You're saying World War Hulk wasn't super great the Correct. first time. Uh, it's still being done by Greg, Greg Park, right? Yeah. So my my opinion of this is like yeah it's you know super derivative and shitty that they're doing it again but the fact that it's the same it, well and especially again with a different character who is the same character but especially with Greg Pak at the helm I I feel like there's a decent chance that it could be good <laughs> Hang on. It could it could be <laughs> it could be good. Oh my. <laughs> could be good. <laughs> I have no confidence in this. I have very little. Yeah. Greg Pak's great and uh, I have a lot of respect for his writing. But he wrote the first World War Hulk and it wasn't terribly good. Um, maybe it'll, maybe this won't be different. Maybe it'll be more like what the first one should have been. The first one was just Hulk versus, and that's not awesome. Uh, it needed to, it needed to have real ramifications and maybe this one will, but I, I don't care about Amadeus chose Hulk. So, uh, therefore I don't care about this, but maybe I'll be proven wrong. So yeah, uh, is anyone reading totally awesome Hulk? 
I I did read it. I read it uh, at the start, and I didn't give any. I didn't care at all. Yeah. So yeah. So we don't know how the Planet Hulk two thing is going either. Then. Um. Yeah. For me, like, I I would say my entire thoughts on this like were decided by the conversation I had with you about it privately, Sean. Where I was like, "Oh, did you see this?" And you're like, "Yeah." I mean, that's kind of like where they've been building to. And I was like, "What do you think?" And you're like. Eh. <laughs> I was like, I mean, Greg Pak's right, and it's like, yeah, but the first one wasn't that good, so why are we going back to this? You know, it's like, Planet Hulk, great. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, uh, yeah, I can't say that I'm excited for this at all. And your your lack of confidence in it, like, you know, makes it, it's like, okay, I'm not even going to pay attention to this unless you tell me it doesn't suck. I mean, especially in light of what happened with Civil War 2, why, like, what reason does a fan have to be confident in this when it feels like they're just rehashing the, the late 2000s now? I was worried that they would do this because it's, it's so obvious and so, I don't, I don't know. I can't even. It's just lazy. Yeah. You know, it's like, why, why should we come up with a new idea when we can just rehash old ones? You know, and it's, that's, not interesting and and like, and like rehashes happen you know but and and over time but to just say oh yeah it's world war hulk 2 what you know like why can't it be something else you could do a similar thing but why doesn't have why does it have to fit into that mold i guess yeah yeah no because that's the thing is it's it's obvious when i think there's a difference between something being a rehash and being an homage Right? Like, we all love Spider-Man Blue. Go check out our book club about it. Um, but like, Spider-Man Blue is a, is, uh, a good rehashing of that era of Spider-Man stories. Right? And it's not just, let's just do this again, you know, and, and change some of the details. It's, well, let's honor this thing and add to it in a meaningful way. And if you're not going to do that, then why, like, the entire point of civil, right? Say what you will about Civil War, regardless of your feelings about it, because it's, you know, it's it's definitely uh, a polarizing book. It had something to say. Yeah. Civil War 2 didn't have something to say. It, it did. It did. It just didn't say it well. Um, it was... It, what Didn't you say that was your whole criticism, though? It was like, it just felt like it was just telling you like it's just like yeah no like this is what this is yeah and not that it really earned what it was trying to be it it didn't earn what it was trying to be what it was trying to say was we live in an era now where uh our security is at risk um from all different types of people uh where we're technology is getting to the point where thought police and thought crimes could be a real thing and the question of should we stop should we stop crimes before they happen because we have the technology to do so? That's sort of what the question was. And that's in line sort of with Civil War 1's initial question. The problem is that Civil War 2 had no level of finesse at all. It was just kind of like, hey, here's this thing. It's happening. What do you think about it? Oh, my God. Here's what we're telling you to think about it. Uh, Captain Marvel's Anniversary bad. events. Yeah. So I feel like there was a, um, and you guys might have seen this. It may have been last year, the year before. There was a, a calendar of like events that were, that Marvel had had planned. And like 
80% of them were sequels to events that had come before. So we had Civil War 2. That one came true. Apparently now we're doing World War Hulk 2. I'm trying to find it online. I'm having, I'm having some trouble, but anyway, yeah, I think there's, we're going to see a lot more than just this here soon. Great. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> I'm a huge fan of the late 2000s Marvel, but that doesn't mean I want to see it done again. Uh, you know, the exact same stories. So, but hey, listen, there are fans of this. People love World War Hulk. It was very popular. Um, and Greg Pak is great. So we'll give it a shot. See what Could happens. be good. Well, I mean, somebody will give it a shot. So that brings us to our main topic, during which we are going to talk about the career of the illustrious Akira Yoshida. One of the greats. Yes. One of the all-time greats. Akira I, Yoshida. Yeah, very much not, actually. <laughs> Akira Yoshida's comics were garbage. So uh, well, we'll put I that mean, out there. Let's let's be fair to the man. He had a short-lived career as a as a as a comics writer. Um, English wasn't even his first language, Kale. And doesn't, mean he can't, doesn't mean he can't tell a story. He wrote <laughs> he wrote for Dreamwave, Dark Horse, uh, Marvel Comics. Uh, so he had, he had a few you know pretty high profile things going on. Um, he wrote a few mini series for Marvel: uh, Thor, Son of Asgard. Uh, X Men: Age of Apocalypse, Elektra, Wolverine, X Men: Kitty Pride, um, X Men: Fantastic Four, and a ton of one shots. Uh, so he was, you know, like he was rolling, and then he was gone. So what oh, happened? You mean, you mean like he left Marvel? Well, yeah, he he left Marvel. Uh, and well, he went. He every- probably just went to DC. List his DC publications. I can't. Because what? he had done. Okay, so he probably, he probably went to do some creator-owned stuff. He's got to have an image list there somewhere. No. Vertigo, Boom, Titan no. even? Nope. Huh. Yeah. Uh, so what are you saying, Sean? I'm saying that Akira Yoshida went from writing all of that stuff to not writing at all. And uh, for years, people have wondered... Where this person who whose literal whose career literally started at Marvel, uh, where he ended up, and a lot of people have asked this question, and it's been a winding road for the last eleven years to find out the secret of Akira Yoshida. So many people be- believed that he was an a pseudonym for writer C.B. Sabolsky. Uh, that was a rumor that started uh, way back in the day once Akira Yoshida vanished. And, of course, uh, Sabolsky denied it. Uh, that is, and- hold on, that is baseless and, frankly, buck wild. <laughs> that is a buck wild rumor. I can't even <laughs> believe. I know, who would do such a thing? Uh, so, <laughs> so, of course, CB denied it. Um and this is this is uh, coming from Rich Johnston, who actually, or rather, Rich Johnson, who actually did ask um, CB Sabolsky in 2006 if he was in fact Yoshida, and he said no. He said that Yoshida was an actual person, and that his numerous office visits and convention appearances debunked it. He promised pictures, but none came. Uh, and then the story kind of died. 
because Rich Johnston asked people at Marvel who he trusts if they had ever met Akira Yoshida. And they all said yes, that they had met him, that they had had correspondence with him, and that he had he had actually been in the offices and that they had lunch with him. So the story died until 2015 when Brian Cronin, who uh, writes for CBR and does the current the comics urban legend uh, thing over there. Uh, yeah, it's a, it's a great series where he basically just tries to debunk or prove urban legends in pop culture. Right. Uh, and so it was it came up false. And this is from the article. When I heard this one, I thought it would be easy to check out. However, when I found out that some of the editors that he had worked with had never spoken with Akira, I will admit the absurd su- suddenly did not seem so absurd. Luckily, the other day, editor Mike Martz was able to allay any suspicions. Says Martz, you bet. I've had lunch with the guy. Very nice guy. He's a very cool guy. When we had lunch, he showed me pictures of his immense Godzilla memorabilia collection. I was jealous. Well, there's one conspiracy theory down the drains. I mean, yeah, that makes total sense. Japanese guy loves Godzilla. Totally. (laughs) Well, trust me, the plot thickens because the explanation for why these people thought they had met him is even more interesting. Why? Well, they, I mean, the guy had lunch they, with him. What are you talking about? Yeah. Yeah, but, like, that's not made up. Like, he did have lunch with somebody who he thought was Akira. No, he had lunch was, with hold on, Akira. Hold on, Pete. Hold on. This isn't bleeding cool. Take your conspiracy theories elsewhere, please. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, the reason why it would be a problem if it were the case that C.B. Sabolsky were, in fact, writing as Akira Yoshida is because... Marvel uh, no longer allows write, or people who are editors or editorial staff or executives at Marvel to write or draw for the company. Um, during the Bill Jemis years, they could do that. And there was a lot of, you know, cross-pollination between editorial staff writing comics for different editor for different editors. So like a, uh, an X-Men writer. Or an X-Men editor would write comics for the Avengers staff, which, you know, led to a lot of issues. So they stopped that. Um, Joe Quesada didn't Nepotism. want Nepotism. Right. Um, and so the story just died. And then an ex-Marvel editor named Greg Shegel, uh ran a podcast. And, <laughs> and he kind of resurrected the story. Uh, and so the podcast changes the names of the people in, in the story. Um, Rich Johnson is actually included in the story. Uh, C.B. Sabolsky is referred to in the story as C.J. Gregg. Uh, if you want to listen to the podcast itself, we will have a link to it. It's not very long. It's 26 minutes. Um, but he essentially alleges that C.B. Sabolsky was Akira Yoshida. And then C.B. Sabolsky was made editor-in-chief of Marvel. And after that, a lot of people started to ask the question of, was he Akira Yoshida? And CB was forced to admit, after a challenge from Image Comics brand manager David Brothers, challenging comics journalists to ask why the editor-in-chief of Marvel 
chose to use the pen pal name Akira Yoshida in the early 2000s to write a bunch of Japanese books for them. That lit everything on fire. The story was uncovered. Everyone found out about it. And CB was forced to admit that he had written under the pseudonym Akira Yoshida in the early 2000s for Marvel. I wish I wish that I could hear this news for the first time right now so that I could react to it live because as this unfolded in the comic sphere my mind was blown this is buck wild (laughs) this is just the most crazy like I'm not a huge fan of Rich Johnston and Bleeding Cool but I'll be damned if they when they get it right they fucking get it right. This is incredible journalism. The fact that this story, like, had been sussed out how it was a decade ago. 11, you know? 11, 12 11 years, years ago. ago. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and was right. Spot on. Had it totally figured out and just couldn't put the pieces together because of, you know, just all these little interesting wrinkles, you know? Uh the thing with the translator, like all this stuff of just like the, the web of, of this lie was so like, it went so deep and it, I don't know. It's just incredible. It's, it's incredible that the story finally came out. Yeah. Uh, and so finally, Rich Johnston, who has been on the case for all these years, finally got CB Sibulski himself to admit to him personally that this is true. And the following is from Sobolski himself, who is currently the editor-in-chief of Marvel. I stopped writing under the pseudonym Akira Yoshida after about a year. It wasn't transparent, but it taught me a lot about writing, communication, and pressure. I was young and naive and had a lot to learn back then. But this is all old news that has been dealt with, and now, as Marvel's new editor-in-chief, I'm turning a new page and I'm excited to start sharing all my Marvel experiences with up-and-coming talent around the globe. So, before we dive into our thoughts about this, I do want to talk about why C.B. Sobolski chose to do this. Uh, the story goes that C.B. Sobolski was actually on his way out. So, I'll read from the Bleeding Cool article that is amazing and you should really check it out. They did a great job, as Kale alluded to. The story was that back then, he had been planning to leave Marvel, but set up a writing career first. And Akira Shida was a fiction he created to get his first writing gig on Darkstalkers for Dreamwave and then Conan for Dark Horse. And it was from that gig that his fictional pseudonym was approached by another Marvel editor, quite unaware that Sobolski was Akira, and Sobolski found himself hired by his own company. And the lie kept going. And and now, as for the person who Marvel editors thought they were beating, the Akira Yoshida that they thought they were talking to, this is what Bleeding Cool has to say. And as to the Akira Yoshida that Marvel people had met, including his bosses, that was a Japanese translator who had visited the offices, and yes, who had had lunch with Mike Marks, and who was mistakenly identified as Akira Yoshida. So everyone remembered having met him, even though they never did. Eventually, 
Sabolski killed Akira off, resigned his position from Marvel, and was rehired as a talent manager with a new contract that allowed him to write on a freelance basis under his own name, writing Marvel titles as well as creator-owned works for Image Comics. But if he admitted the truth about Yoshida, he knows he would have killed his Marvel career dead, and so the lie stayed even as Yoshida disappeared. Fascinating. Absolutely fascinating. Yeah, just like what an incredible story. So I want to clarify that this is not a story of a Marvel cover-up. This is a, this is a story of C.B. Sobolski lying to his bosses for years and years and years until now, and getting away with it. So the one thing the one thing I'm not clear about is did he like hire this translator? To go to Marvel, or was it just that's yeah? Luck? That's the only thing I can figure is that he he would have hired him, right? Like it couldn't have been just luck. I don't know. It says he was mistakenly identified as Akira Yoshida, so maybe there was some communication breakdown, or maybe they just misremember or something like that, and thought that they had met him, but they didn't. That's really weird. That's kind of what I'm saying is because I, I agree with you. I don't – it doesn't seem like a Marvel cover-up, right? Because I know Marvel's uh, – like they're not firing him, but I think it says that he's been punished, right? Like in some was, way that's yeah. not public. He's been punished and apparently they were extremely angry with him over this. Sure. I mean as, as they would be, right? I mean, yeah. What he did was, I mean, illegal I would think. You're, um, you're being punished by becoming the editor-in-chief. Shame on you, Sibolsky. Shame already, on you. Could you imagine? Yeah, he'd already become the editor, yeah. though. Could you imagine the, the the nightmare that it would be if they announce him as as EIC and then the next week take it away because of this crap? Yeah, uh, they absolutely be, should. A- Who gives a shit about the nightmare? That's exactly what they should do. I don't know ah. that they should, and I think that's that's the big conversation here. Um, yeah. What do you do? You guys think he should be fired? I mean, killed us. Why don't you start? I, I, it sounds like I've made my position perfectly clear. <laughs> um, so I don't get it. <laughs> what like, don't you like, what's the, like, what's the big deal? So, uh, th- one, there's the side, there's the business side of it, right? He broke Marvel's rules about being a freelancer and an editor at the same time. Okay. For Marvel specifically. So there's that side of it. The other side is that he was in Japan using a Japanese pen name and, you know, in theory, making it more difficult for uh, Asian writers or artists uh, to get in. Okay. I mean, he, he, look, he at least took as many jobs as he got under the guise of being an authentic Asian writer who could write with an American voice. At the, at the very least, it's, uh, uh, appropriation. Sure. Um, but I don't, I don't think that matters. Like I it's, it's so long ago like that. He was a totally different place in his career. And, you know, like, and like, it was literally like what, 10 years ago that he wrote under this pseudonym or 12 Longer, years ago. Yeah. Yeah. Because the story about him being fake only came out 12 years ago. Right. So, I mean, like this is a long time ago, you know, it's well over a decade ago. And I just, I don't, 
I don't think it would make sense to fire him now for something he did then. Like, punish him, sure. Like, whatever. Like, obviously, they should be mad about it. But, like, I I think it would be such a public embarrassment to do that, for one thing. And also, I feel like I don't see how him doing this shitty thing, realizing what he was doing was shitty or that he was going to get in trouble or whatever and stopping. You know, he did it for a year. It's not like he did this for, like, it's not like he's still doing it, right? Like, that would be a different story to me. Um, but I don't see how this fuck up impacts his ability to do the job that he was hired to do. Was was he hired under the the assumption that they were just trying to get more Asian writers? You or mean Akira, uh, Akira Yoshida? Yeah. yeah. Uh, I th- I yes. th- so the way the story goes is that he was writing as Akira Yoshida, and a Marvel uh, a Marvel editor who wasn't Sobolski approached him not no uh, approached Yoshida not knowing that he was Sobolski. Yeah, but yeah, Marco's question is that is that because they wanted a Japanese writer and that it does say that in the bleeding cool article that the that p- part of the reason he was hired was because they wanted to bring like an authentic Japanese voice to some of the comics that he was hired to write. And okay. not, not all of them, but some of them. Okay. I get that then. You get what? I get then the perspective of like you're limiting the cap the the potential for an actual uh, Asian writer to enter the field and yeah so but I don't know I mean like uh, it, it happened years ago and it was like uh, he was in a different spot in his career so like I mean. He took it probably because it's like, hey, it pays. It's getting me writing cred, like, you know. So, I don't know. I guess I I don't think it changes anything. I think that, um, like from what we've heard in the past, like where he's trying to come from is uh, a good spot, and this is just like a murky trying to make ends meet kind of move to me. Yeah, he left. He 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 wanted to leave Marvel. And he wanted to build a career as a writer and get some writing chops under his belt so that when he eventually did leave Marvel, he would be able to get work, you know, and and that's all this was. I don't know that he ever intended to write for Marvel as Akira Yoshida. It sounds like he happened to get an opportunity and that that wasn't what he was going for. Yeah, but it it, and and. I can't sit here and say that at that point he shouldn't have come clean because that's probably what he should have done, right? Because then it wouldn't even be a story. Um, it's the fact that he lied about it, you know, and because, I mean, granted, I think people would still probably have criticized him for doing this in hindsight. Um, but I don't, you know, he did do the wrong thing, right? He shouldn't have done this. And I'm not um, saying that I'm not trying to. Uh, he should. He, he shouldn't have posed as an Asian writer. Yeah, yeah. Okay. He shouldn't have done that, and and I and he shouldn't have lied to Marvel and taken the job when he knew what he was doing was breaking his contract. You know, so like I I, I do agree with the criticism of his actions, but I think like anything more than punitive punishment from the employer that he violated the contract from seems excessive to me. I think them. Firing him as editor in chief, I think, would be an overreaction to this. So, yeah. my opinion on this 
is that what CB did is crazy uh, in the sense that he knew he shouldn't have written for Marvel. That was a bad idea. Um, yeah. But I honestly, I don't think that, that him using an, an, you know, an Asian name is a problem because he 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 feels connected to that culture. That is that is what appeals to him. CB Sabolsky has always been that way. He he lives over there. He loves being over there. Um, he actually just came back from China in order to serve as editor in chief. But that's his that's his home. You know, like he does not live in America. He lives over there. That's what that's his life. You know, um, he lived in Japan for like twenty years, right? Something like that. You know, like that's his. You know, that's what he's into. He speaks Japanese. Um, that doesn't mean he's not, he's not an Asian man, obviously, just because he, you know, associates himself with that culture. But um, he's very he, he cares about it. Um, so when he's thinking of a pseudonym for him to write under, it makes sense to me that he would choose something like that. Not because he wants to get credibility as an Asian writer. But because, especially because we weren't thinking that way in the early 2000s. That wasn't a thing. Uh, people, yeah, if, if anything, that would be something working against him, right. you would think. Yeah. Um, so he just he just loves that culture. That's, an, that's, that's a very like, um, I'm an American. I'm going to come up with a Japanese name now. Yeah, Kiryoshida. That's like very much that. That sounds like that to me. Uh, he, he's just, that's just what he's into. Uh, so... I, I personally don't begrudge him that. Uh, and apparently, Sana Amanat doesn't either. She had the following to say when she was talking to Channel News Asia about this very thing. That man has lived in Japan, speaks Japanese, and has lived all over the world. He's very mu- He very much associates with Japanese culture. And I think that him writing, for whatever time it was, was him trying to be a writer more than anything else. <clears throat> She said that CB is one of my favorite people, as well as being one of the most globally minded and very culturally sensitive people. So I agree with those statements. I think that uh, if he if he did it today, it'd be different because the world is different. We are thinking differently about diversity. We're thinking differently about what it means to respect culture. But if 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 this story broke out. 15 years ago, no one would have said he was appropriating anything because that word wasn't in that context used in the lexicon of our speech. We have a totally different worldview now. And I understand that, but I think that people are coming down too hard on a guy who was trying to set up a future career and use the name that represents the culture that he most associates with. Yeah, I don't think his intent was ever to be malicious or to even like yeah. falsely represent himself as a Japanese person. You know? I mean, but a bank robber's intention isn't to hurt anybody by robbing the bank. He just wants money. I just don't like. I don't think that that's like. Yeah, maybe you're right. Maybe he shouldn't be fired for it. But I like. It's still just like. It's wrong. Like that's it's wrong that he used the, the the Japanese pseudonym. Yeah, I I don't like just like oh, man. I, I like I can't even come up with a, a good comparison without coming off as like a racist piece of shit. Like it's well, just what like about, like what my like my Twitter handle is Mr. Mark. I was about to bring that up. Like I I I don't do it because like I'm not like I'm not Japanese, right? Like we we know that I know that. I'm hyper aware of that fact, but 
my position comes from one of admiration, not one from necessarily, hey, I'm trying to directly associate with with but, the culture. Yeah, but you're also you're also not you're also not posing as a Japanese person. Yeah, but like I don't really feel like that's what he was doing either. Like I, I, I get based on the timeline that it's pointed out and the way that the story has been told, it seems like his intent was to write under a pseudonym so that he could have professional clips so that when he left his editorial job, he could say, Hey, this is work I did under this pseudonym while I was editing at Marvel. Hire me. Yeah. I don't think this was a thing he was going to keep secret until he broke his contract at Marvel and he was afraid about killing his career at the company that he still works at now. And I think that's the reason he hid the scandal. Not that he was like, oh, I'm going to get over by presenting myself as a Japanese writer. And you're right. He did get an opportunity because he had created this false uh, Japanese identity. And I mean, you know, that's true. And I, I think that like that that is unfortunate. And I think that your um, anger towards that isn't like misplaced. But that's but- not that's not. An oppor- that, I, I was going to say that's not an opportunity loss. We don't know that that's necessarily true. Um, but the fact of the matter is that they, this is a guy whose career lasted literally one year, and he wrote for Dark Horse and Dreamwave, and they snatched him up because – in part because he was Japanese. So that tells me that they were hungry for talent coming from Japan and that there wasn't any, there, that there wasn't anyone else. This guy had written nothing. Bare, he had a bare bones career as Akira Yoshida and Marvel hired him. So they, that's a great they, point. They needed someone in their mind. And unfortunately, it sucks, but there wasn't anyone else but a white guy posing as a Japanese guy. Yeah. Cause one of the things that they said was that they, they wanted, you know, uh, a Japanese voice, but, um, you know, he was special because he had, he was able to write for American audiences, you know, cause obviously he speaks English. Um, so yeah, I mean, that's, that's an interesting thought, Sean, you know, and it's like, at this point we're down to speculation, right? But yeah, like maybe the reason he was able to get those opportunities so, so easily was because he was an American who had lived in Japan during his formative years. So he was connected to Japanese culture, but he wrote like an American. I don't even think that's speculation. I just like, there aren't any Japanese, there weren't any Japanese Americans that could be writers for Marvel Comics in 2000. Like Kale, but that's they, that's not but the Kale, point. Though. They didn't know he was CB Sobolski, so Marvel didn't they they didn't do anything wrong. Like they were they were no, deli- yeah, and they, I get that. I'm not I'm not saying Marvel did anything wrong, but like I am saying that it's bullshit. You're saying that Sobolski did something wrong. Yeah, but think about it from this perspective: this guy had a career that lasted one year total, and at some point in that year, got snatched up by Marvel Comics. Don't you think? That if there were Japanese American writers writing comics in the style that Marvel liked, they would have snatched them up before him because they would have had a career. Wait, wait, time out real quick. I just want to clarify. Both of you guys have said Japanese American writers. They didn't think he was Japanese American. They thought he was Japanese. Like, so that yeah, I think right. is the thing is they wanted people who were from Japan and not, not somebody who was a Japanese American who could write. You know what I mean? Well, so, but, yeah. Yeah. Okay. But I just wanted to clarify that. Please can answer the question. The whole f- all of Tokyo, there's not one Japanese person that could write for Marvel. But uh, Kale, again, they were looking and they found somebody or they thought they did. They were looking. I- I'm telling you, he had a one year career. If they were looking for longer than that, 
Don't you think they would have found someone before they found a guy who wrote for Dreamwave? I, I think the point that Sean is making is that there weren't Japanese, or maybe, right? We don't know. That there weren't Japanese writers pitching to American publishers. That they weren't interested in writing for American markets because they were writing for Japanese markets. Or maybe not that they weren't that they that they weren't and they weren't pitching but like the person who they picked out of the people who were pitching ended up being Sabolsky or yeah especially because they were impressed that he had an you know he's like oh it's how he sounds like an american he, writer he had an american voice exactly he right. was writing in a way that appealed to americans but from a different perspective that is exactly why cb sabolsky is the editor in chief right now it's the same reason and so for me uh, and again, you, you gotta think about the, the perspective of the world 12 years ago. We weren't talking like this. It just wasn't a conversation we were having. I guarantee you that at 40 years old, CB Sobolski would never do this. This was a, a choice that he made that was a, you know, I guess you could, you could say it was a mistake that he made years ago from the perspective of a man who uh, completely associates himself with Japanese culture and was never thinking about appropriation because nobody was. I just doesn't make it better. I, you know, that doesn't change what he did. But oh, nobody what, was saying it. Well, that makes it better. No, it doesn't. What, no, like, that's not what I'm saying. What I'm what I'm saying is that the conversation culturally wasn't there yet. So you're you're viewing it. And judging him from the perspective of someone in 2017 when that's just not the way that people were, were talking about the world. No one was right. saying these things. I mean, but when I was three, I didn't understand that it wasn't cool to kick the cat. But now I know looking back, that's wrong. Okay, but were, you wouldn't. So are you going to you're going to harshly judge yourself at three years old for kicking a cat when you didn't know any better? Yeah. No, you were three you years kick, old. You shouldn't kick you a were cat. Three, you yeah, were three, three years, years old, old, but you got to find three, out that it's three, wrong. You were three years old. From that perspective as a child, you did the wrong thing, but that was you then. That was a, a bad thing that you did then, and you're not going to – what are you going to do? Fucking jail yourself now for something you did when you were three years old? No. You learned a lesson. You moved on. C.B. Sobolski has learned a lesson. He's trying to move on. Let's let him move on. The world was not like that back then. I also just think, like, I don't know that it's fair, like, because again, right, like, it depends on the severity of the crime, right? And I think what he did was done, like, I, I agree with you, Sean, that I, I look at, based on the narrative that we've been presented with, right? Um, it, it seems to me that Sobolski seems like a fanboy, right? Yeah. Like, I, this is a mistake I could see Marco making, you know, in early 2000s as a young comic book writer. Right of like me, I don't. Yeah, because like again, because you're like a fanboy of Japanese culture, right? And if you're like, oh, I'm gonna pick, I'm gonna pick my alias, cool. I'm gonna be Akira Yoshida. Exactly. Like, I could, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, like I don't, I don't see it as a malicious thing. And I know that intent doesn't negate uh, you doing something bad, but like this is a thing he did so long ago. You know, he was a different person then. And I don't think, like, yeah, what he did was wrong. I agree with you. I don't think it's fair to hold him accountable for it now because he's admitted as much. And by the way, like, what else do we do? Listeners, now that my name has been tarnished, uh, I bid ye adieu. I'm French now. But by oh the way, gosh. this is also not illegal in any way. 
Uh, pseudonyms are common. People do it all the time. And the the narrative that we're applying to it, oh, he was trying to get work as a Japanese man because it would be easier. Or he was trying to steal opportunities from Japanese men or Japanese people. That is not even, like, that's a narrative that we're applying with 2017 brains. It just wasn't like that. It's the same thing as Marco having a Twitter handle that uh, represents Japanese culture. It's the same thing as people going as, you know, white people or whatever other culture they are and wearing, going to anime conventions and wearing Japanese costumes from anime shows. It's the same thing. The fact that he made money with that name simply represents the fact that he was a fan of that culture. If C.B. Sabolsky was a fan of Russian culture, he would have had a totally different name. He'd be called C.B. whatever his name is. <laughs> Comrade Sibolsky. <laughs> Comrade but I, I do want to just call out that, like, while these words weren't in our lexicon, like, the ideas were there, and, like, there was an understanding that, like, there wasn't an identifier for it, like, but it was there, I would think. I just sure. wanted to call that out. Marco, I'm interested. I, I want to ask you a question because so, I, you as our, like, resident Japanophile, um, I, I find the relationships <laughs> between our two. Well, uh, <laughs> you are. You're a fucking sexual deviant. We've all um, seen. We've all seen the body pillow. <laughs> um, but I guess I want to ask you. I think it's really interesting how closely tied our two cultures are, and you know, like, and not that like. Wait, which two? I cultures? wouldn't say that J- Japan and America. Oh. Um, in that like, there's a, a significant group of both populations that have a deep connection and association to that other culture. Right. And like, well, where do you go ahead? I would say that one, I think that there is an, there is an association America to Japan, but Japan to America, I think just comes from a general global standpoint. Like, I don't think that there's like, I mean, I'm pretty sure there is like a dedicated fan base where it's like, Oh, America, whatever. But I don't think that's comparable because I think that's just the effect that the U.S. has negatively on other um, on other cultures. Like you, I can see that in South America too. So I, I think sure. I think that's okay. that's different. I don't know. I guess it's just interesting to me because I think like when you get in the conversation of like cultural appropriation, right? Like I I do think that like specifically in regards to American fans of Japanese culture and Japanese fans of American culture there does seem to be a certain amount of like something that's at least akin to appropriation in the DNA of being intimately connected to that thing. Well, and like, here's the thing, right? It's like get an inside. I'm going to, I'm going to make it like, like just analogies. Like I'm not going to get an inside joke in Japanese or whether or not it's been translated. Right. Um, the same way, like me and Sean could be talking about something regarding like Spanish food that, like, like rice and beans to me and Sean means something else to you and Kale. Sure. Right? Um, so, I think that you guys can say, like, you guys can totally say, like, like rice, beans, platano, whatever, right? And I think what, what for me at least, like, I, I don't know. I, I don't a, know what that last thing is. I've never said that oh. before ever. All right. <laughs> but, like, like, but, like, if you guys came up to me and, like, knew what that was and didn't say it and, like, like 
Oh yeah, I love platanos, right? And like, you, like and like, like, or like, like if you guys say it with like an American accent, right? It's like, like oh, okay. I was gonna say like if we rolled the L's, you mean? Yeah, it's like it's like <laughs> oh, like whatever. I get what they're trying to say. I feel like that's the position that at least for me, that's like where I I come from. It's like hey, like I know I don't know, but I want to approach it as respectfully as possible and to be hyper aware of where I'm drawing lines in the sand and where I'm drawing lines to make sure that I'm not offensive to not only the person within Japanese culture, to the, but to those people who view me interacting with Japanese culture because then that sends a negative message in general for people who try to uh, empower other people to appreciate other cultures, if that makes sense. It does, yeah. Thank you. I think that was well said. Um, yeah, and I, I think, like, speaking to that point, I think it's clear that, like, I think Sibulski did overstep that line. But, you know, I don't think that it was done. Um, he overstepped the line in, like, it, it, it wasn't coming with malice. There was, there, was no Ill in, there was no ill intent outside of just an appreciation for the culture that he was in. And he knows that he doesn't, I would hope he knows that he, he doesn't live it. He can only know it. Yeah. And, and again, you know, none of us know CB, none of us have spoken to him, but everything that I gather is that this is a culture that's very important to him. I mean, why else would you live there, um, for so long? Um, and, uh, this was just a mistake that he made in, in his youth. And hopefully, um, this doesn't, Hopefully this doesn't destroy his career, but where we are culturally in the world, it wouldn't surprise me greatly if it did. Um, but for all intents and purposes, CB is not a bad, he's not the bad guy. And when you, when we're living in a society where you have people who are like literally doing illegal things that are destroying cultures, that are destroying women, that are destroying, you know, minorities of all kinds, uh, to point out a situation like this that took place so long ago and harmed no one uh, and to to paint a target on this guy's back, especially in the same in the same, you know, society in the same business of comics where you have uh, the situation that just broke down with Eddie Braganza. It just seems wrong. It does, they're not they're not in the same stratosphere. And I wish that the. Outrage uh, culture no, that we come have on. just step down. No, they're no. not the same stratosphere. That doesn't mean it's not wrong and isn't worth calling out. I never said it wasn't worth calling out, dude. That's your own deal. I said that he doesn't deserve the same level of punishment or or. Attack. I never. You said he, he should be fired. That's the same level of punishment. Yeah. All right. Fine. Uh, but I also like it's only it was only thirteen years ago, and he's. How old is he? 40-something? This wasn't a youth mistake. Fully knew what he was doing. Listen, man. Clearly, you have a, an axe to grind, and that's cool, but I don't. And uh, so I was just trying to get my message across of, like, I don't think that he deserves to be fired for this. And I don't think that what he did ultimately was malicious. And I and I think that he, has, he does have a, a love for this culture. And he took on a pseudonym, and people can be mad about that if they want to, but I'm I'm not. I'm moving on from that, and I hope to see his career as editor-in-chief at Marvel be a successful one. And it would suck for Marvel big time if they had to make the choice to fire him as a result of this. 
there are no winners in this scenario. But uh, we'll see how the story unfolds as the weeks go by and more people learn about this. But that's going to do it for that conversation. Uh, definitely let us know where you fall on the conversation about C.B. Sobolski and the mystery solved of Akira Yoshida. Uh, you can let us know your thoughts all over the place. Uh, and while you are doing that, you can also drop us a like on iTunes um, and a rating, of course. Um, you can hit us up. Wherever your social media is sold, we are at the Comics Pals. You can write to us at the Comics Pals at gmail.com to talk about CB Sobolski's big error or anything else we talked about. Let us know your favorite moment of the Avengers trailer. I'm really curious about that. Um, and then last but not least, we are on YouTube where you can leave this video a like, share it with your friends, drop a comment, and subscribe to our channel to get us to 100 subscribers. Once that happens, I mean, the floodgates are going to open. And uh, if you want to be in on the hype train for the Comics Pals, now's a great time to jump on board. Before we jump out of here, I do want to do some plugs. So, Pete, go ahead. Cool. Uh, so thank you guys again for joining us here on another episode of the Comics Pals. Uh, if you guys want to connect with me to talk about any of the stuff that happened today, you can hit me up on social media at loud underscore Pete. Um... I, uh, I'm on a bunch of our other shows. Um, we've got, uh, the Riverdale review is back this week. Um, Kale, remind me, we're, we're like literally about to go shoot it, but I feel like an asshole. Who, who's the guest again today? Uh, so this is, uh, Titan Comics editor Amuna Sauheen. Uh, she does, uh, other, it's, it's not Void Trip, but it's the other Ryan O'Sullivan book, Warhammer. It's Warhammer. She does the, oh, okay, uh, Warhammer cool. books for Titan Comics. Yeah, so she'll be on the show this week. So uh, if you're a fan of Riverdale, definitely come check that out. Uh, the show is definitely a good time. We'd love to hear your thoughts on it. Uh, you can also find me and Sean tomorrow on the Video Game Pals, which is our weekly video game podcast, uh, very similar to this one. We're going to have the whole crew back together for the first time in a while, so it should be a, a really fun episode. Um, and then you can also find me on Pals Play, which is our daily Let's Play show, Monday through Fridays on YouTube, uh, unless there's holidays or whatever, like the last week or so. Um, but we'll be back uh, this week, uh, Monday through Friday again, and we're uh, actually debuting a brand new game, which is uh, Doki Doki Literature Club, so <gasps> Japanese culture. Um, yeah, Doki which Doki. is like the new hotness right now. Um, so yeah, come check out me and Thompson playing that. And uh, yeah. Uh, other than that, you can catch my writing on CBR.com. I've got a new list coming out this week about uh, Majin Buu, actually. So I'll, I'm all about Japanese culture this week. Holy shit. This is, I didn't even plan this. <laughs> awesome. Kale? You can find my comics uh, on panels comics on comiXology. Uh, I am writing uh, a title called Cosmic under the pseudonym Aaron Keepers. Uh, you can find me at Aaron Keepers on Twitter. Um, and you'll find some other chump named Kale Ward um, uh, on Twitter and Instagram at Toto in Toe. That's T-O-T-O-I-N-T-O-W. Marco? Uh, you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Mr. Marco Animoto. Um, yeah, come talk to me about anime stuff. I just got this app called VRV. Shout out to Matt Murphy for the recommendation. I've been watching nothing but Yu Yu Hakusho for the past. It's called Verve, you nerd. Is it really? <laughs> Yeah. BRV yeah. <laughs> is cooler. Don't no, you it's watch not. the Game Grumps? <laughs> the what? The Game Grumps. They're uh, their new show sponsored by Verve. Whatever. We're not here to talk about Verve. Hashtag not an ad. My it's brother, my brother, and me is on there too. 
and I'm looking out for that Doki Doki Club. Uh, let's play. It's going to be so fun. You can find Phil at Cyborg Bebop on Twitter and Instagram and tell him that he smells. He's a butt. And he's a butt. And Marco, we're going to need you to change your Twitter handle. <laughs> um, it's going to need to represent your culture better, so Marco Kunalata is going to have to be what you go with. What are no. Marco Kunalata? <laughs> what, are, what are Mexican comics called? I'm not Mexican. I know what I said. Oh. Now who's the racist? <laughs> <laughs> so I, I don't know. Wow, that's a good question. Look at that. <laughs> wow, the truth comes out. <laughs> oh boy. Uh, as for me. I am at Sean Soapbox on Twitter only, and I am not an appropriator. <laughs> so don't talk to me about that. With that, for the comic style sign, take care, guys. Bye. See you next week.